a lot a lot of what was missing Matt if I can be honest is self-love because all of the negative feedback I was getting from this person even though it was one person by the way because everyone else was saying I was doing a brilliant job I actually started to believe I was terrible at my job so and that I wasn't good enough you know like I went into a real sense of lull and insecurity and I think looking back what I would have said to myself is so much Welcome ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host Matt Brown and you're listening to the Every L Podcast. Each episode we'll have a different guest come on and talk about when life hands you an L, is it really a loss or is it something else? Because not every L's a loss. So sit back, relax or do whatever you guys do to get comfortable as we get into this. Let's go! Welcome everyone to another episode of Every L Podcast where we discuss when people go through things and look back in hindsight, was it really a loss or was it something else? Because even though you may not believe it, what you're going through right now might not be where you're dwelling in the next few months, next few years, if ever again in your life. But just be sure that you survived every worst day so far. And if that's the case, who's to say you're not going to overcome this situation you're in right now? So I am excited. Why am I excited? Because I have another guest on. And this guest, I'll be honest with you, right, folks? The way this person articulates themselves, the way they present themselves, the content they produce, I haven't worked with them to know what their service is like, but based on what they promote, based on how they carry themselves, I'm going to have to bring my A game. I need to learn to articulate myself. I need to be measured in how I speak. So I won't be as enthusiastic as I normally am. I'm going to have to make sure I'm consistent, make sure I'm coherent. I'm lying to you. I ain't going to do any of that stuff. I can't keep that up. It's hard work. Anyway, so I have a fantastic guest who is just such a joy to listen to. I say listen to because I listen to her podcast. I only stumbled across it recently because she followed the page. I reached out to her because like, why wouldn't you reach out to someone that's amazing like this? We have a mutual friend who, I'm not going to mention who that person is, but you know who you are. But yes, I have the amazing Shoma. Now, Shoma, like I said, I haven't really had much dealings with her, but the way she is, what she does, it just seems to be something I can resonate and get behind. Now, she is the career happiness mentor. Like, come on now, how many times have you known people looking for work and they're just chasing the peas or money, however you want to articulate that? And the money is important, but are you happy within that career that you're in? Are you happy about the environment that you occupy on a daily basis? Are you happy about the decisions you're having to make to earn that money? I don't know the answer to that question. Only you can answer that. But with someone like Shoma, who can ask you those questions, who can help guide you to navigate those situations, because sometimes you might find yourself in a position where you're making really good money, but the ethics are not there or the environment's toxic or you're having to sacrifice things that you shouldn't have to sacrifice, like your well-being, just to get that promotion or just to get yourself in a certain position or get FaceTime with a boss. Is that something right that you should be compromising? I'll ask you this question. Would you let your child do that if you've got a child? Would you let your parent do that? Would you let any other loved one do that? And if the answer is no, 
then you need to love yourself like you love other people. But yes, not trying to preach. I'm just trying to drum it home that it is important that we have people like Shoma in the world who's willing to do what she does. So before I continue, I'm going to hand over to Shoma and let Shoma introduce herself before we discuss her first L that she would like to discuss. Shoma, how are you doing? I'm really good, thank you, Matt. How are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm all right. (laughs) (laughs) So please tell everyone who you are. So to kind of just um, give a little bit of a summary, uh, thank you so much for that lovely introduction, by the way. Um, But to go into a bit more depth around who I am, my name is Soma, Soma Ghosh. I am a careers advisor. I've been a careers advisor since 2008. It's a long time. Um, And I initially started working in schools and colleges with young people to inspire them with their careers advice. And so now I have my own business and, you know, it's very different to where I was many, many years ago. But in a nutshell, basically what happened to me is I ended up being in a position where I was very unhappy at work. I was being bullied at work, hated my job, left my job, and I started a business called The Career Happiness Mentor. Within that business, it's evolved, it's changed over the years, but um, what I'll do is I'll give a nutshell version of what happened (laughs) when I started it in 2016. Initially, it started off with me helping professional women who, you know, wanted to get a new job, um, wanted to get a new career, and most of them tended to be mums. I'm not a mum myself, but I'm super, super passionate about helping mums because, my mum was a young widow, and for me, I saw the struggles she had, even though she was a full-time teacher and had a very good role model. I saw the other people around her who were her, her kind of age demographic, her generation, being a South Asian woman, they didn't have, really have a lot of support, especially career-wise. And so for me, I wanted to be able to help women, especially because when I was really, really unhappy at work, I really lost who I was Matt. And I wanted to be a role model for people in that way. So it initially started off with helping people with job hunting. And then I started talking about my bullying and all the deeper stuff and the fact that I had anxiety and depression. And more of those kind of women came to me for career counselling, for advice. And then what actually happened in 2019 is parents were coming to me saying, Soma, I need somebody to help me with my son's careers advice. He needs career support. Can you help him? So then I developed these parental services for um, uh, parents of teenagers. And what's basically happened over the last kind of six years since I've had my business is um, in between that, I started my podcast, the Career Happiness Podcast, which which you mentioned, um, because I was noticing that a lot of people were really, really struggling to get good practical advice for free online. There was lots of information, but there was lots of misinformation. So for me, I really, really wanted to create a free resource to help people who couldn't work with me, who couldn't pay for my services. But at the same time, I also wanted to, you know, have those paid services that I've mentioned. But it's not just about that. I do what I do because I truly love helping people, as corny as that sounds. Um, But I also really, really wanted to just help people find their career happiness because I know what it's like to hate your job I know what it's like to feel as though you've fallen out of love with your career because I'm still a careers advisor I didn't stop being a careers advisor it's just sometimes with some people what it is they actually love their career but they don't they hate their job <laughs> so it's 
about unpacking that and every person is different and for me trying to kind of unpick some myths like career changes hard unpicking myths around um problems within kind of our cultural backgrounds not just with south asian women because i work with all sorts of women but unpicking some of the myths that we have as women that we can't you know um do certain things and so but that's who i am kind of in a nutshell <laughs> yeah that's an amazing nutshell yeah folks this is why <laughs> soma is just that lady she's so well spoken so concise Editing's going to be a joy in this one. So, um, <laughs> so as you guys know, I have next to no clue about what the topic's going to be, especially if I don't know the individual. So in this situation, Soma's going to talk about her first L, mm. which is unhappiness at work. Unfortunately, I think those of us that have worked can probably identify with that sentiment at least. But I'm going to ask you, like I do with everyone, just to mm-hmm. take us to the top yeah. and just set the scene, roll into it, and then let's explore how you navigated this situation and what actually took place. Oh, wow. There's a lot to unpack here, and I'll do my best to not waffle because <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot I could say here, Matt, honestly. Um, but, yeah, the unhappiness at work. There was actually two times where I was deeply unhappy. I'll talk about the first one where I was unhappy before I go into the bullying stuff. And I think it's important to acknowledge both of the times because I actually went into depression both times. And I think what a lot of people don't realise when they're unhappy at work is that we fall into patterns where we're highly functioning. So um, I know probably a lot of listeners will uh, resonate with that because you just get on with things and you just think everything's okay. So the first time I was really, really deeply unhappy at work is actually when I was kind of going through redundancy at work and it kind of just crept up on me. I went to see my doctor. I could tell something wasn't right. And uh, it wasn't so much the redundancy, it was the process. And there were two stages to this. The first stage was me feeling um, not adequate and I was the youngest person in my team. And I was like, if I'm the youngest person, they're going to, you know, chop me, I'm going to go gonna be the first to go um and we had to do this assessment and I remember feeling a lot of stress and a lot of kind of like oh okay is this really gonna work out for me weirdly things kind of did work out because although I wasn't offered a job within that team I was redeployed and again I ended up being unhappy which is why I sequentially mentioned the first with the second because what happened is I ended up working within a connection centre. I'm pretty sure most people will remember what connection centres were back in the day. And Yeah. Yeah. And I was quite used, you might hear a bit of rain there, and I was quite used to um, working in schools and colleges. So for me, what ended up happening is it went from a stage of me working in schools and colleges where I was kind of in a safety bubble. I would do careers interviews every day. There would be structure having a young person come in with all sorts of very different scenarios that I wasn't used to, like being homeless, um, you know, having problems at home, it became a lot deeper. And a lot of that unhappiness when I was coming home was having an impact on me, if I'm being honest, Matt. And my manager could see I wasn't very happy. So she decided to put me back into colleges, schools. I was doing a bit of that work. 
the colleges I was working in at the time and um, one of the schools, what what was happening is I was kind of like an add-on careers advisor. They already had a lot of careers advisors there. And I was kind of the person that the council had hired to go there. I didn't really have a lot to do there. And I felt a little bit out of sync, out of place. Yeah. And I'm somebody that because I enjoyed working with young people, I enjoyed helping them. I was like, well, I'm just a spare part here. What am I really doing here? And I began to feel I'd lost a little bit of a sense of purpose of, you know, like I trained as a career advisor. I thought, you know, I was 27 at the time. I thought, that's it. You know, did my degree, did my postgraduate in career guidance. I'm set for life. You know, you have all these ideals when you're young in your 20s. And then I realized, no, 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 this is not working out. I need to leave. So I left that job and I did kind of self-discovery and that really, really kind of helped me understand I actually wanted to be self-employed. Um, and I became self-employed kind of doing something temporary in 2013. It didn't really work out. It was like a practice business. But what ended up happening is in 2015, my father-in-law passed away and um, that affected me a lot because my father-in-law was like a second dad to me because yeah. I lost my own father when I was six. And Sorry to hear. Um, and, and it affected us quite a lot because he's a carer to my mother-in-law. And so uh, what ended up happening is I kind of got in my own head a little bit because I was like, oh, you know, that practice business has gone really badly. He's passed away. You know, my husband, you know, was kind of managing as best he could. And we as a couple were talking about some of our goals that we wanted. And I was like, oh, why don't I go back to working in schools? And I went back to working in schools and I was in a situation where I was in a job where the school was lovely, the students were lovely, but I ended up working um in a role where I was being bullied by a very very senior member in the school and at first I didn't realize I was being bullied right at first it was kind of like little comments like oh you haven't done this or you didn't email me so at first I kind of didn't think anything of it and I mentioned it to my manager at the time and she's like oh you know I'm sure you've worked with difficult people before but as soon as I handed my notice in when I began to be really really unhappy in this job because I was very lonely in that job imagine sitting in an office all day and you're sitting there from like eight o'clock in the morning to like 4 30 you don't go out you have your lunch in there you don't you know nobody really makes an effort to get to know you in this school and I began to feel very very isolated I used to work there three days a week and I used to think okay yeah I like seeing the young people but I'm not <laughs> I'm not happy in this job it's ma- making me lose who I am and then to make matters worse, I was often criticised for how I was delivering careers advice because it wasn't up to their so-called standards, right, in this school. And what I mean by that is I think they saw me as this brown girl, they saw me as this, you know, in their eyes, young. And the lady who was picking on me a lot and being really, really horrible to me, um, she just, you know, she would ask me, she would probe me weirdly, and I brought this up recently with someone about my qualifications about my experience, about, um, you know, how I kind of ended up working in this school. I know, weird, huh? And um, at first I didn't think anything of it. I thought, oh, you know, she's probably just just digging around. 
But the first thing she said to me is, oh, I have a degree in this and I have an MA in this and, you know, have you got um, equivalent qualifications? And then when she started asking me like that, I was like, no. This is somebody who's trying to dig under the surface and find out how qualified I am to do my job. And it started, it started kind of with that. But then initially what would happen is she would just be really, really nasty to me via email. And it got to a point where I started having panic attacks when I was like, sleeping at night and my husband was like what is going on you need to tell me what's going on so I told him that um you know this person is emailing me and having all these demands on me and one of the things that happened and I spoke about this on another podcast actually it was horrible I'm I'm laughing about it now self-deprecatingly is there was an email between the governors of the school and this subject matter came up about misinformation that apparently I had emailed out. I had not emailed it out. I just sent it to one of the teachers and they emailed it out to everybody. I didn't do that. Wow. All right. I just said this information may be useful. I didn't say send it to all the parents. I never said that. I just said, have a look, see what you think. And then if you, you know, dot, dot, dot. But they hadn't even read my email properly. And what ended up happening is, The governors of the school were saying, oh, who is the careers advisor? How could you let this happen, dot, dot, dot. And all the people in the email chain were kind of attacking me, including her. And the only person who vouched for me, ironically, was another brown teacher. (laughs) Kind of (sighs) familiar there, right? And I began to notice this behavior happening a lot. And then she shouted at me before we had an event one day, And it came to a head where I was like, you know what, I'm not putting up with this. So obviously I left. Um, But with that unhappiness at work, with the bullying and everything, I I began to notice that I just basically lost who I was. I didn't know who I was. So I would wake up in the morning and just think, I'm going to work. I'm on autopilot, but I don't actually know know what I like or who I am. Yes, I'm someone's wife. Yes, I'm someone's daughter. But what am I doing every day? And so the unhappiness at work for me was a manifestation that actually went into my life as well. So I was unhappy in my life because I was unhappy at work. And I see that with my clients as well. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. <clears throat> I I feel like I can identify that from the time I used to work for Santander. And I'll ask you this question because I'm interested to know if it was similar to what I experienced. Was it that you kind of felt numb? Like you wasn't mm, actually feeling yes. anything like, yeah, you, okay, you got happy, you got sad, but ultimately you're just trying to get to the end of the day. You're just there to do what you need to do with as little yeah. disruption as possible because you know that if yeah. you get happy, someone's going to kick that pedestal down that you're on. You're down, someone's going to say, well, come on, do something. Or you're just, you're just <laughs> trying to just get through it all because you've got bills that need to yeah. be paid. and you're being made to feel a certain way yeah definitely definitely I felt numb and I felt empty like sometimes I used to feel I don't know if you resonate with this I was telling someone about this I went to a family friend's baby shower and I was really happy they were having a baby but I can't actually remember a lot of it I know it sounds weird but I was there but I wasn't really there so even when I would go to social occasions I would just I couldn't remember things you're vacant you're yeah you're yeah I've I guess I boiled mine down to just uh, it was huh. now in hindsight I can say I was so unhappy that infiltrated my personal life that I was just high level functioning 
in my personal life as well as that because I never pumped the brakes. I never made time for myself. And that's a me problem. That's why this project, as much as Will's having the twins, I'm like, oh my gosh, what's life going to look like? It's about that's not going to change anything. If I think I want to do this mm. and this has been my baby brewing for a few years, let's act on it because this ain't going to go away. And I'd rather be grateful for the things I do rather than resent the things I didn't do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's the lesson I learned from my situation. I, I think I learned a lot about myself. Can I ask, how did you said that you went to a baby shower and you know, you wasn't really present there. How was your husband and your relationship impacted by this? Because I'm assuming you went to work, did what you need to do. You was okay. Oh, a little bit of micromanaging, but it's cool. At least I know where I stand. Then it went a little bit further. It's all like, mm, why are you asking me these questions? I'll answer them, but I'm not trying to, you know, put a mm. noose around my neck by any way, shape or form. And then it's all like, when can I let him know? Is it appropriate? I don't want to let him know when it becomes a bit of a worrying situation. Or was it a matter of, never thought anything about it. You're that open with your other half and you just went, yep, this is what's going on. What do you think? It kind of manifested a little bit because I was talking to a good friend of mine and and she actually recognised it was bullying and she actually said you need to talk to um, your husband and um, discuss it with him because if you're really that unhappy, you discuss because my husband is also my best friend, by the way. I'm saying that very freely on a podcast. He is. He is my companion all the way. and Fantastic. He could sense, Matt, that something wasn't right because what would happen is when I would come home every day from work, I, w- I used to be in this weird routine where I'd come home about 4.30 and I have a lovely, very loving cat. And my cat would never sit on my lap, never. She d- she doesn't even now. Um, but during that period, she knew something was not right with me. So she'd come and sit on my lap for like a whole half an hour whilst I had my cup of tea and I'd have my laptop out and I'd still be working. That's the other thing I didn't mention. I was working outside of hours because they would give me extra work to do. And my husband began to notice um, what actually happened is I ended up having a panic attack one day and I was talking to my business mentor at the time because I was having some business mentoring because I was trying to do my business on the side, not that that was happening at that time. It wasn't because this job took over, this part-time job. And after that, he he was kind of like, okay, something is, is not right here. And he started to probe me a bit more bit by bit by bit. And then, as I said, when I had the panic attack and then I was kind of like crying myself to sleep, he really, really could see that, you know, this isn't my happy, you know, free-spirited wife. Something's not right here. And it, and it did affect our relationship because I wasn't really talking to him that much, which he sensed. He began to see that I wasn't as enthusiastic about life. You know, I didn't want to go out. I would often just like plonk myself in front of the TV and just, I wasn't even watching anything that I liked yeah. to Matt. I was just watching like random reality rubbish that I don't even watch actually, to be honest. Nothing against reality TV, but I just was watching nonsense or on the telly. And he was like, this isn't my wife, my wife. But more than that, I think it affected because remember he was still grieving after his dad had just passed. So yeah. He did notice, but he was also going through his own thing. And so I didn't want to burden him. Plus, as I mentioned, because my mother-in-law is not very well, she does have carers that look after her. But my um, husband and brother-in-law, they maintain the other things around her care. So um, he had a lot to deal with. And I didn't want to add to his 
plate. I felt like, oh, if I'm, you know, strong and resilient and all the rest of it, I'll be all right because, uh, you know, as I mentioned, when I lost my dad as a child, I was very used to putting some armor on and just getting on with it. Yeah. And I was doing the same thing until he could see I was a little bit broken and I needed emotional support. Yeah. It's fantastic that he's able to be that person. It sounds like you found the best partner in life and long may that continue. Hmm. It is hard because I kind of get it, I guess, being from a Caribbean background and, you know, your parents kind of just taught to like, get on with it, just soldier through, rare tear tear. And it's like, I, I get that. And they can look and say, oh, this generation's a bunch of pushovers. Look at them. <laughs> you know, you tell them no and they fall yeah. to pieces. And I, I, I get that. I get that because the job I currently do, I have to deal with a lot of people that can be somewhat emotionally unstable or require a little bit of hand holding and so forth. And I get that. And sometimes you could say sentiments like, oh, throw wobbly. I I not disregarding it. Each zero, you you navigate situations as you need to. Mm. But I think it's important that we understand how hard it is for both the real businesses that are there for their people and also still trying to turn a profit and do things because let's be honest for all those companies that do, try to do things the right way there are some companies that don't give a monkeys and will just steamroll employees over and will just have a huge turnover not just of staff but also of profit which then means that those smaller companies that try to do things the right way are struggling yes but that's a different conversation altogether the reality is, is that if you are in a position of leadership, that's exactly what you should do. You should lead. If you feel someone's not right for your team, that should have been picked up at the beginning of recruitment. But then once you deal with them, you work as hard as possible to make things work out as best as possible, not do what you've suggest you've done. When you said about watching the reality TV side of it, hearing you say it, like I, I've noticed stuff in other people when they're just watching stuff and they're not happy. I personally think it comes down to you don't want anything that you actually have to think about. It's just noise. You're not engaging yeah. this, your brain. You're just, hmm. yeah, it's noise. I know I need to watch something, but I'm not going to watch what I really want to watch because I don't want to feel anything because I can't feel anything. Yeah. So mm-hmm. let me just watch yeah. Love is Blind. Let me just watch Love Island. Let me just watch... Hmm. I don't know what I've watched, but I know I've got to watch the next episode because <laughs> I need yeah. to be seen to do something. So you're, so you're from the outside looking in your living, but there's no substance mm. to the life that you're in. And it's unfortunate that yes. the case is, and your husband, I can only imagine how hard it is to have lost, you know, someone so dear to you and see that your best friend, your wife is not who you identify with. Mm-hmm. And you, you don't, you understand why they didn't want to potentially burden you. And I put in quotation marks, they want to burden you. But at the same time, you want to be there for them. But you've got your own stuff, you've got to go on. So it's, it's kind of like catch 22 in that situation, but it's great that you had each other. Mm. How did your husband then yeah. react when you told him how he was feeling? <laughs> well, he's very supportive. And what ended up happening is around the time of Christmas where I had a lot of time to reflect because like when you work in schools September to November is a very busy time so it's always go 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 in schools well it is a busy time anyway right now in schools um, because I still do online freelance work I thought I'd mention that but um he basically um just listened to me and you know I cried I was a bit emotional and I think he just said that 
if the, if the job is costing you your health, you know what the right decision is to make, Shoma, he said to me. And the decision was that I was going to hand my notice in as soon as possible in um, in the new year. And the weird thing is the lady who was my manager, because she was managing lots of different people, because the way that it works is because careers advice is privatised now, um, you have one manager for like... 10, 15 careers advisors, imagine. So she's got her own caseload that she's got to work through. And so she was really difficult to get hold of. So it took me even two weeks to have my notice in. Yeah, because I just couldn't get hold of her. And number two... I'm sending that in the email. <laughs> well, I tried to email her, but like because I wanted to do the whole spiel of just explain a little bit... Um, I did say it in an email eventually, but then obviously we had a discussion, but it was taking a while for me to have that. You are so nice. I would have sent it in an email, and then by the time they picked it up two weeks later, oh, so you're leaving? Yeah, in two weeks. Bye. (laughs) No, well, unfortunately, I then had to, because of my contract, I then had to kind of train the new person who was going to take over my role. If I can do it in two weeks, yeah, sure. So no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't do the full spiel, but I had to do that. But, but basically, um, yeah. I think what ended up happening is as soon as I spoke to him, I just I had a sense of relief and I knew what I was going to do um, straight away. But the ma- the lady who was my manager, when I did tell her that this person was making my life hell, I, and I will always remember her words to this day. Oh, haven't you worked with tricky people before, Shaw? Haven't you worked with difficult people before, Shaw? I was like, I know the difference between someone who's difficult and someone who has a personal agenda to, you know, get rid of me. I know. I said that to her and I think she just wasn't registering. She was just like, because what the problem was in that organisation is even when I brought up with another manager, she was like, oh, draw a line under it. It can't be that bad. So the organisation themselves were culpable because there was another person in another school who was in a similar situation. And they weren't really helping her. They weren't helping her, which shows very toxic organisation in itself, to be honest. And I think they thought I was a troublemaker a little bit for speaking out. So if I can go back a bit, Hmm. please explain to me what the difference is between a tricky person or a difficult person (laughs) and someone that bullies you. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's because I didn't use the word bully, but the word bullying, as soon as you use that, people are like, oh, are you sure? Oh, you're an adult. Like, um, I remember when I would talk about workplace bullying um, in the beginning, there's a community that I belong to online that are brilliant. Um, they talk a lot about workplace bullying. Oh, oh, is that actually a real thing? You know, uh, but this is the thing. The thing is, is that lots of managers don't want to acknowledge difficult behavior and because these schools are paying that organization money because it's privatized they all about the school they're not thinking about the person who's going through the daily crap (laughs) you know um but yeah there is a huge difference as you know Matt. there's a huge difference so what is a tricky person and what is a difficult person 
How would you describe a difficult person? Well, we, well, I mean, we all know difficult people and we have difficult family members, don't we? It's, it's the person that will probe and ask you lots of questions. But if someone's bullying you at work, then they are out, not necessarily to get you, but they are making sure that they're making your life hell on purpose. And they're trying to catch you out. Like with this woman, I, I remember what happened with her. I'd organized this event and I got amazing feedback from everyone except her. And she took credit for a lot of it. So that's bullying because basically she took credit for the organization of two of the people that I contacted, right? And she went to the head and said, oh, you know, dot, dot, dot. So if she was a difficult person, because I've worked with difficult people before, I had a very difficult manager many years before that, who weirdly, she was very difficult, you know, she was always a bit aloof. But because I did such a good job, a year later, she offered me a permanent job. Not that I took it, but there is a huge difference between somebody who respects you for your work. She didn't even respect me for my work. She would always undermine me. And even when I did a good job, she would have something to criticize that. So, you know, it's all about the fact that she just didn't believe I was good enough for the school. And I think, and and I, and I said this um, on one of the other podcasts where I spoke, I remember a teacher saw her in the corridor and she smiled at him and he looked down straight away he smiled at me it's almost as though he was scared of her so she had this personality where she just she liked to have this power and use that in a very toxic way and that is the difference because if someone's difficult you know they're not going to try and pull you down every second this person abused their power and liked abusing it so that they could get people to do what they wanted to do and control them yeah that it's that's unfortunate I'm really sorry to hear you had to go through that but I guess on the flip side you wouldn't be the person you are today if you hadn't been through that when, I mean that's the question about being tricky is because I guess I could be considered as being tricky like I don't get it wrong I'm a very hard-working individual but if I don't understand something we need to have a conversation to understand for me to understand what I'm doing and I kind of feel that tricky people you can get on with or difficult people you can get on with if you understand where they're coming from. Like they, you've got to just work a little bit harder to find common ground because maybe they can't leave the place where they're at to come to where you are. You might have to travel a little bit further to sort of get to that common ground. Yeah. Whereas I guess a bully or someone that abuses their power in that leadership role they just micromanage you and no matter what you say or do would always be questioned and always be be duly noted and will be used later on against you whether it was a passing comment that's why personally people uh, I'll put that out there I'm not the biggest fan of whatsapp group when it comes to work oh let's be the whatsapp group why why do people need my number like that for I ain't calling you if I'm coming in sick you mad yeah. <laughs> No, because someone's going to put a post in there. Someone's going to say something outside of hours. And then it can be brought into work hours for me and you to have a conversation that I don't want to get involved in. So that's that's a bit of a no-go. Don't get wrong. I jump in, but I mute that chat. I only message when I need to message. Other than that, I'm not a part of that life. So <clears throat> I'll ask you this question. When you was going through depression or whenever you got to your really, really, really not a good place. If you could go back just before you found that reason for you to fight to get back to 
a healthy version of yourself. What would you have told yourself to help get you there? It's very, very um, tricky question to answer, but I think a lot, a lot of what was missing, Matt, if I can be honest, is self love because all of the negative feedback I was getting from this person, even though it was one person, by the way, because everyone else was saying I was doing a brilliant job, I actually started to believe I was terrible at my job, so and that I wasn't good enough. You know, like I went into a real sense of lull and insecurity and I think looking back what I would have said to myself is Soma you were good enough because you got the job you did know what you were doing it's just one person trying to you know make sure that um you're not going to succeed for whatever reason right and you have been able to do the job in other areas and do a good job so there's there's nothing wrong with you you know you you are good enough you're very good with the young people that you work with and you give good advice. And I even had positive feedback off the parents. Not that at the time I was registering any of the positive feedback. I just <laughs> kept on registering the one person who was horrible to me um, because that's what you do when you're very depressed and you're going through anxiety. But I would probably go back and say, actually, give yourself a bit more credit because weirdly enough, even though she was trying to pull you down, you were still doing a pretty good job. <laughs> um, is what I would have said to myself and you know you weren't failing at your job you were just going through a period that maybe in life because we all have to go through ups and downs that maybe you needed to go through because it actually was the catalyst to start my business you know that's what the reason why I actually became more passionate about really really starting the career happiness mentor yeah and do you think you would have been in a position to hear that because I know that some people can have the right things to say and are positioning themselves to say it to the right individual that's going through it, but would it have been the right time to have said it to you? I don't think so, Matt, because before I left, one thing that I haven't shared is I got in touch with a counsellor privately because I knew if I went to my doctor, it was going to get take, take ages to have therapy. So I knew I needed to actually see a, a professional. So I made the decision to contact someone privately in my local area and I met with her and she was giving me a lot of really like positive stuff and positive feedback about things. But I never took it in in the first session. I remember I only took it in after maybe the third, fourth session when I was starting to get better after I left my job. So I don't think I would have taken it in because even I remember the last day I saw a friend that evening um, and they were they were saying to me that, you know, don't hold on to all the negativity. Um, you know, you did the best you could. I, now I remember they said that to me, but at the time I was holding on to a lot of the negative emotions that this the, that the situation I was in in that school had created. So no, I don't think I would have taken it in, to be honest. No. That's unfortunate because I, I would like to think it was only me that I've ha- that's had that thought process where you so many good things could have happened in my day today yeah I could focus on something from 2004 that really makes me feel cringy like oh my gosh I can't believe that happened and that's how we are we're wired that way yeah and it's really peculiar why we allow that to happen so many people said good things about you but you still focus on that one person because then that would say that right if I'm able to still swim 
even though I've got a weighted anklet or something like that. That says more about me than it does about the anklet. Yeah, the anklet's there to weigh me down, but I'm still going forward with it around me. I'm still able to fly, even though there's a boulder tied to my leg. I'm still able to do these things, even though this one thing is not helping me to do it. So imagine how much further I could go if I had the right level of support. And if this leader is not willing to support me, then I need to remove myself from this environment and put myself in a place where I can flourish and grow. I will, I'll share this and it feels relevant. This guy I came across on Instagram, don't know how, just did. And someone said about the grass isn't green on the other side or how do you know if the grass is green on the other side? And me just being me, I just thought, oh, let me just throw something out there, just like to think aloud. So I thought aloud and I said, right, the grass is greener on the side where you're allowed to put down your roots, grow and utilize and flourish in whatever skill sets you have available. Didn't think about it before. That was the first time it came out. And that's why it was hard for me to recite it. And the person was like, oh, but how do you know when you're in that job? I said, well, if your skill sets are being utilized or you develop new skill sets along the way, that's a good environment. If you feel that anytime you try to branch out and do something different, they cut you down. That's probably not a good situation for you or you're always moving so you can never lay down your roots. That's probably not the place. Mm. Oh, wow. Didn't think any of you of it. But I think that's just my way of sort of saying, if I'm in a situation where I can't be settled, and don't get it wrong, some jobs require you to be moving from here to there to everywhere. I get that. But if you know that's what your job is, that's you setting down your roots, you set up your home environment to work like that. If you then say, right, I want to develop this, or they come up with ideas saying, right, I need to, I need us to hit this objective, but they give you the creative freedom to get there in whatever capacity, obviously within the right parameters, but to get there, that's that's the freedom you need to flourish. But if it's a matter of, mate, when I say jump, you say how high. Mm. And I don't, if I see you, I don't want to hear you. You know, treating you like those old school parents where they used to say children should be seen but not heard yeah yeah Mm. that's that's how I see it yeah if someone Mm. was to ask you the question what does happiness look like in a career what would you say oh this is this is this is a deep question but to summarize the line I can think of is doing something that you love and doing it I mean you'll be willing to do it for free you because you love it that much right it's the first thing I would say the second thing I would say is finding something that helps you get up in the morning and having that deeper purpose so what I mean by that is since I've had my business I've been able to do a blend of my business and freelance work so I can still do the school work that I do where I'm helping young people and then I'm doing my business which I'm super passionate about and I enjoy but in an ideal world career happiness will mean different things to different people Matt and the reason I'm giving mine as an example is that I always wanted a bit of a blended career Um, I knew I wanted one because I'm quite a creative person but I'm also a person who likes to research things and you know read a lot of things so for me career happiness represents the things that interest you not just that you're passionate about but you know you're willing to get up in the morning and look forward to the day and know that each day will bring you an ultimate, like not just happiness, but you're like, you know, you're looking forward to having calls with people. You're looking forward to um, doing certain work. And 
not having dread about your work. What I mean by that is, you know, for a lot of people, I still see this in, with my family and family friends when I ask them about work. I say, yeah, it's going all right. Yeah, I need to find a new job. Like this, you know, the exasperated, ugh, like this. Whereas when I do ask someone what they really enjoy, I notice the difference in their body language. Yeah, did this project, did this, can't wait to do that. The enthusiasm, I think, is the key thing with career happiness. But the other thing I would say is the willingness to also be open and adaptable. Like, you know, during lockdown, people were doing different things. They were starting businesses. They were, um, you know starting to side hustles. They were doing all sorts of different things. But I think in a nutshell, for me, career happiness is about finding something that fits into your life. So if you're a parent, how does that fit? And how are you able to then bring that happiness in so that you're with your kids? So for example, I'll give you a quick example of what I mean by that, is that my mum was an accountant for many, many years, but her dream was always to become a teacher. Dream was always to become a teacher. And so she retrained when she was 39 and sadly that happened just before my dad died but she continued with that dream and she's thrived in her career because to her that was her passion and that's to me is what career happiness is it's about going through the ultimate thing that you want that's going to fit into the life that you have That's really nice. Oh. <laughs> and I'm so happy for your mum because, yeah, I'm going to put it, I'm 39. So that gives me hope that I can, <laughs> that I can turn it around. Same age. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, I, I think it's beautiful to know that even at our age, mm. don't get it wrong, we're not old, but we're not young, yeah. that there's still things that we're trying to figure out. Yeah. And it's nice, again, to see someone like you Hmm. being able to support people. And even in the title of your business, you're letting people know what it's about. It's not just trying to, you know, achieve a career that will get joy in the money. Happiness is more important than money. Because if you're not happy, you ain't going to last for very long. So, you know, that's... (laughs) That's something that's really interesting. So this question, I'm going to ask you just because of your cultural background. Yeah. So you've gone to university. Hmm. You've got your honours. Congratulations. You've now gone into work doing what you wanted to do. Hmm. You've gone through this turbulent time, let's call it. Yeah. You've, your husband and yourself are grieving. It's come to a head and you're thinking, oh, do you know what? It's better to walk away. Mm. One, you and your husband's decision influenced by family members and friends. Mm. Because I'm I'm quite aware that a lot of my friends that are of the same background, mm-hmm. the culture is it's very it can be quite influential in some of the decisions that are being made. Mm. And it's it sometimes I I, I think this is the appropriate term to use. It's kind of like keeping up with Joneses, mm-hmm. even though you're not meant to be, but because you, you yeah. it's a village, people are there together. Yeah. Was that, was that a consideration? And was, mm. 
the second question I'll ask as well, um, finances. Hmm. Was that a consideration? Because I'm sure there's people listening that would yeah. think, I would love to walk away from my job. However, but for you, I would like to sort of know your headspace in that. Mm-hmm. how you came to do it and and obviously your husband if you from your perspective yeah so it's interesting that you mentioned that um Matt, because for me I um because I lost my dad when I was young um that comes with its own cultural stigma unfortunately because he died in 1990 which is a very long time ago and I was six years old less of that please it's not a long time ago. Stop saying that. No, but long time ago, meaning things have evolved a little bit in the South Asian community. That's okay, I, mean. I thought you were talking about my age there. Thank you very much. Just, <laughs> just throwing it out there. But the reason I mention it is because, unfortunately, when those kind of things used to happen, less people's parents, unfortunately, or fortunately, weren't dying. You know, Now, unfortunately, more younger families are losing their mums and dads sooner. You know, There's lots of stats around that, and I'm super passionate about that, which is why I mention it. But um, the reason I mention it is that within our community, we faced a lot of criticism and stigma, you know, because my mum was working, there was stigma around that and so and so. And that's important to bear in mind because it impacted me and I have an older sister and the way that we saw ourselves in the community. So I often didn't really fit into my community, I'm going to be honest with you. And with my own husband, who's from a similar background, we're from... um, West Bengal uh, originally in India um, we both had a very similar trajectory so for me the cultural thing yeah we go to some religious festivals and stuff but we very much do our own thing I'm being quite frank I'm not too heavily influenced because not many of my friends I have a few friends who are West Bengali but not a not a huge amount and I think culturally, when we made that decision, it didn't have an impact. Financially, however, when I discussed it with my husband, I did say to him, because we were discussing some aspects, you know, I was in a very lucky position where he has a pretty good job and we discussed that. And so we were able to do that. But the reason why both of the points that you mentioned there Matt, are so important is because I work with clients who have both of those things that come up. and. The reason why I want to mention that is because when you have cultural influences with other things, so for example, with a lot of people, unfortunately, for South Asian women, one of the things that come up comes up is if you're not married, you know, by 25, it's like this black mark that's put in your head, like, oh, you know, why are you not married? And you're leaving your job. Uh, why? You know, so there's a question mark around that that comes up. And, you know, what are you now going to do to support yourself, all those tick boxes that you're meant to have are not happening right and what I find with my clients who are in that position is the reason why they come to me is because they resonate when I share my story about when I was 27 and I wasn't married and I felt a little bit of stigma from some of the people in my age group like acquaintances not so much friends but acquaintances in my community and so from the financial perspective, some of the people in my community, you know, they are doctors and things like that. There is a lot of snobism. There is a lot of elitism. The reason I'm mentioning that is that culturally, it's just not, it just doesn't fit with who I am as a person because I don't see people as a piece of paper, Matt. I see them as a human being. So 
for me, a lot of the time when I've attracted the women I work with, they've said to me that, you know, you're just, you're approachable. And I think a lot of the time in our community, the reason why these things are such a, and I'm going to use the word stigma, is because people don't like to talk about these two things. They don't like to say, oh, I trained to be a dentist and I hate it. And I'm now going to become an artist, for example, and it's a random example. But they are actually sometimes afraid to go to their parents because they don't have that good dynamic. I'm very lucky I have a good relationship, not just with my husband, but with my sister and my mum. So I was able to talk to them about it and they didn't judge me for that. They were like, oh, you're not happy, Shoma? You know, that's fine. And the reason why this is such a foundation with career happiness, I did an episode of my podcast where I spoke about my parents, weirdly. Um, My dad was a barrister and he was a criminal barrister and he was very unhappy because he faced a lot of hardships within his role to do with his race and other things that I won't go into. But what I will say is that that stemmed for him to then start his own business as a solicitor because he was unhappy. So my parents are kind of my weirdly like the role models of my career happiness and my foundation. So I'm very privileged, I would say, that I was able to have that open, honest discussion with my mum and sister. But I know so many families that can't, they don't have that. And I know my husband has that in his family too, but not everybody does. Not everybody that's, does. In, that's insightful. I will ask this question. Do you think the passing of your dad at such a young age helped your mum to be more, be happy doing what you're doing? I do think yes, yes and no, because um, I think with me, I, in school, when I was in secondary school, was was labelled as the average child. I hate saying that, but that was my label, unfortunately. So because my mum was a teacher and I wasn't seen as academic, quote-unquote, right, um, she knew that maybe I wasn't going to be studying STEM-based subjects, so math, science, etc. So what she said to me, I remember when I was like thinking about my degree course, she just said to me, because I studied psychology, yeah, do something that you enjoy. But there were those cultural things of, oh, you know, because I wanted to study English initially. What are you going to do with an English degree? <laughs> <laughs> that old chestnut, right? So then when I mentioned psychology, it's like, oh, yes, you could be a teacher. You could be this. You could be that, you know. So my mum still has got some of those things, yeah. but it's a bit more relaxed. I wouldn't say that it helped, but I would say that because she's a teacher and she worked She's worked in a very um, diverse borough in London, Newham. She has a lot of nuance and a lot of understanding about young people and their struggles. So when she saw me, a child who was constantly being labelled after my dad died, like in primary school, they thought I was dyslexic. And they kept on trying to make me dyslexic. And my mum said, there's nothing wrong with my daughter. I know my daughter is not dyslexic. But these are the kind of issues that would happen in primary schools back in those days. And because she was a teacher, she had an awareness that, unfortunately, when you were brown or black, you would be labelled as having an SPLD more just because of the way that you look. Yeah. Unfortunately, she would know. She knew that, right? A lot of people won't admit to that, but I'm going to say that freely on this podcast because people don't realise that we are, <laughs> we are seen differently in the education system. And so my mum, thankfully, was like, putting her foot down and was like, no. But 
But I do think, in answer to your question, it allowed her to have a bit more open-mindedness compared to some of her counterparts, unfortunately. I'm being very honest by saying that because my mum is a lot more liberal in that sense, but she does have her traditional ideals as well, like most people of that generation. Yeah. And that's interesting. And thank you for sharing it. The reason I ask is because I'm assuming, and I didn't want to assume, but that's why I asked the question, because seeing someone that you love, you know, for the sounds of it, you know, your dad had his firstborn, was working hard, missed out on a few things. Second one came along. I ain't missing out this much again. I'm taking Friday's afternoons off. I'm spending it with my family because that's important. And then the unfortunate situation where he ended up passing at a young age mm. meant that he's, your mum was exposed to seeing her husband, who I'd like to think was a friend as well, was able to change when he was unhappy in a situation. When he missed out on something, he then changed something else. And then the the short amount of time he had here on his earth physically, because I still I still believe people still live on. I yes. think that their memories, their traits, their mannerisms carry on to their loved ones, the people that mm. it's my way of saying it's a bit like I want to be closer to you, so I'm not mimicking your characteristics. I don't mean to steal it, but yeah. you're mine now, you're in me. You could tell I get a bit excited about that. Cause I like to think all my loved ones are still there with me. Yeah. And hearing you talk so passionately and eloquently about your dad just makes you feel like he's still there. Even your father-in-law for me feels like he's still within you. I've never met the guy, but it feels like his his impact on your life is very evident. Yeah. So hearing, you know, your dad and stuff like that pass away, I would like to think that it just opened your mum to say, you know what, you only get one chance of this. Whatever you believe in, whatever religious stance you're at. As far as we, the only thing we can guarantee hand on heart is that we're only here for now. When we go to the other side, whatever the other side is, we may or may not be there. We may or not go there. We'll find out when we get there. We have our own beliefs. Yeah. But while you're here, make the most of it. Mm -hmm. Enjoy it. Be happy. And I'm not trying to make this a plug episode of just being pure (laughs) happiness. But I think given the context of what you do, yeah. Given the context of the world we're living in right now, where if you watch BBC News for too long, if you watch Sky News for too long, if you watch yeah. CNN for too long, you're going to be anything but happy. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned that because it seems as though you have a fair understanding of my mum already from what I've described. But she is a very, very much a live-in-the-moment person. I remember when I, when I would go out with my friends when I was younger or I would do something fun, she would always say, have a good time. She would never say, oh, why are you going out? She would say, have a good time. So she did build up this thing of trying to make things not fun, but enjoying life. She would always say, life is short. You know, if you have disagreements, try and work them out with people. Try and do this, try and do that. Because when a person's gone, that's it. So she does have that kind of idealistic mindset that I definitely think I've got as well. But also, I think. Because of the fact that my dad died when she was young as well, she was only, you know, she was only 39. Um, I think, sorry, 40. She was 40 when my dad died. I think what it made her realise is all the opportunities in her career, she just took them. You know, she just took them. And I think that made me realise that I have to be open-minded about opportunities because she's been a big advocate of my business. When I first started it, she was a little bit like, 
like a little bit worried I think but when she started to see things were progressing you know her um, her and my husband were my two biggest advocates um because I think my mum always wanted to have her own business and she wasn't able to unfortunately do that because she needed to have a regular income come in when she was bringing me and my sister up but um yeah I would definitely say it's made it made her more philosophical and live life and she's done a lot of things a lot more things than I think some of her family in India have done because she's not let it hold her back she's let she's lived her life you know in a good way which has been good role modeling for me and my sister definitely yeah and the positive impact that you've then had on other people by you having your business and so forth and yeah I'm definitely an advocate of yourself as well I think it's amazing what you're doing what you stand for and taking that leap of faith um I'll say it now because this is how I see things and I know that I will grow, evolve. So the analogy I use now may not be the same mindset I'll be at later on. However, I'm of the mindset where we're all, and I think I said this in the previous episode, but we're all currently building a bridge and walking on it at the same time. Some of them, sometimes we're able to put a nail in it. Sometimes we've got to use no more nails. Sometimes it's got to be prick stick because times are hard, right? Or it has to be chewing gum, we slap it on there, make mm-hmm. it happen. But we don't ha- we're not we're not always afforded the time to get an architect involved, to get a building surveyor involved to say, right, this is how you should do things and you actually do it properly. Sometimes you just got to take a leap of faith by putting yeah. one foot in front of the other. And while you're doing that, you're building the bridge while you're walking on it. And some people will get upset with you because they're looking at you from a distance going, well, it's easy for you to say that because you're all the way over there. Yeah, but you don't know how many steps I've taken not knowing if this plank of wood that I've put down is actually going to stay put. I thought I was going to collapse for the longest time. But you know what? I'm still here, still making it work. But trust me, every step I'm taking, I am taking the biggest leap of faith known to man. I don't know how I'm doing it. I'm just doing it because... I need, I can't afford to stay where I am. I need to keep moving. And that is where my head's at. So hats off to you for every leap of faith you've taken. Hats off to you for everything you've done that goes against the traditional route, the well-trodden path. You are having a greater impact on other people. There's some people that you'll never meet but you're having a positive impact on them. And that's because of all the things that your dad, all your relatives, that all the positive influence in your life have sort of helped create. And what do I want to say? They've helped nurture this person that you are and the things that you're doing. So yeah, hats off to you for what you're doing. But I'll ask you this question. If that wasn't an L, going through losing your job, being treated the way you was, going to depression, being bullied. If all of that wasn't an L, if that wasn't a loss, what was it? Oh, it's a very good question. Um, I don't know. Maybe it was an awakening of something, if you, if you want to be positive, because I'm a very positive person. Um, even though it, it, there, there is an element of loss, I think it's a loss of not youth, but when you're getting older, you go through these things in order to learn and in order to to regrow and to um, be, I don't want to say reborn, but be different. Because every single thing that, that, that has happened to me that's bad, I always believe there's an important lesson behind it. Matt. I, I'm very, not just philosophical, I, I wouldn't say I'm 
just idealistic I'm very realistic as well um (laughs) is I feel as though it's been an evolution of my character because you know I'm not I'm not perfect by any means but I feel that by me being able to be vulnerable and honest and you've listened to my podcast I am very honest I don't sugarcoat things I'm just I'm just who I am and I don't try to be fake or phony and the reason I say that is because you know we met on Instagram and I love Instagram don't get me wrong but there are a lot of people who are very sparkly and shiny and I just kind of try to stay away from them because I don't trust them (laughs) that's my honest opinion I think you know what I mean by that Um, and so for me I see it as an evolution of maybe as you get older you go through all these things but also I think the reason why we have to go through all these things is because we need to learn to forgive. That is the big F that I'm going to say, forgive. Because when I was growing up in my teens, I was very, very angry about a lot of stuff, the bullying, I was bullied at school as well, the loss of my dad, all those things. And I was also very angry when I was going through all these L's. (laughs) Even though I didn't mention the anger, I was angry. Um, Because when you're depressed, you're frustrated with a lot of things and there's a lot of anger behind that. And I think what I've noticed through time is learning to not just forgive other people but forgive myself because forgiveness of the self is the biggest thing I think and I know that's deep but I think a lot of us still are working on that I'm still working on that it's still a work in progress but that to me is maybe the thing that I've learned the most through through those L's I would say yeah appreciate the honesty so I'm going to ask you to selfishly plug yourself for the next two minutes, unashamedly, because you, you're you doing big things and people are going to want to reach out to you. Where can they reach out to you? What you got going on? Yeah, the time is yours. Okay, so um, I mainly, even though we met on Instagram um, and I'm – um, on Instagram as the Career Happiness Mentor. I'm mainly actually on LinkedIn a lot, just as Shoma Gosh, Career Advisor. That is my main platform. Um, and I, I post like content on there every day and I have a lot of discussions around unhappiness at work, careers, business. I talk a lot about business on there as well because I also help business owners. Um, but you can also find me on my website, www.shomagosh.com. And um, the other places to kind of hang out and connect with me, sometimes I'm on Twitter, but not so much, um, is to listen to my podcast, the Career Happiness Podcast. I've got to plug that because I've got 144 episodes now, which, um, you know, there's been a lot of time and effort put into that. But I love doing my podcast. Um, And it's a podcast I created because I wanted to give back to people and have that you know, um, as, as, a, as a project to help people. But also in terms of what I'm doing right now, I work with women one-to-one, um, professional women who are unhappy at work, who are feeling burnt out. There's a lot going on now in our in our wider sphere with, with finances and all sorts. A lot of people quitting jobs and thinking about all sorts. Um, so if you are unhappy at work, then um, I do one-to-one mentoring um, around that. But I also, as I said, work with parents of teenagers. So if you're a parent who feels as though their teenage son or daughter, who 
who's maybe in year nine to the sixth form is not getting the advice they need, I help with that. (laughs) Basically, I help them with bespoke careers advice. And yeah, I'm more than happy for you to follow me on any of the social media platforms I've mentioned. And if you resonated with what I spoke about today, you can even send me an email at shomagosh.com. Um, soma at shomagosh.com don't worry folks it'll be in the show notes it will be there cool she's everywhere folks she's doing her <laughs> thing she's doing... question though do you just deal with women then so when I do the um, career happiness professional mentoring yes I do and you work with women okay and it's, that's because I feel as though a lot of the women who come to me don't just come with, um, you know, just the being unhappy at work. There's the whole parent issue that comes up. And then there's the other issues around kind of um, really understanding kind of maybe the nuances of being a woman, because some women I've worked with as well have gone through really toxic cultures because they are a woman, if you know what I mean, like being harassed and things like that. So that's why mainly I work with women. Um, you know, not because I want to exclude men, but that's why the podcast is there because the podcast can be listened to by men. And with parents, I have worked with mums and dads before, just to mention that. So it's not just inclusive just to mum parents. <laughs> mums and dads can reach out to me for that, just to reiterate that. Yeah. That's fine. So I would clarify because I wasn't sure myself and I just wanted to, if people wanted to reach out, not to hesitate if there was capacity for them to engage with you Mm. but I just want to say how grateful I am for you to jump on to share as you have to do something that I guess maybe not too many people would be willing to do with the limited engagement that we've had it's eye-opening it's encouraging it's it's been a very positive conversation that I would like to think the listeners have heard something and maybe want to go back over a couple of things and just say, hang about, am I really happy in my job? Am I satisfied with how I am in my day-to-day interaction? Am I start watching trash TV? Is that a sign to say that I'm not okay? Don't get me wrong. If you like a bit of cheesy TV, then that's your business. I'm not judging you for it. But if you can engage in conversation, this is my personal take. But if you can engage in conversation about that and you're talking to people at work about it, calm, you're enjoying it. But if it's just on for the sake of being on, you might want to dig a little deeper and just see, are you happy? I'm very much the mindset of if you've got a smartphone, just record yourself. Say you're happy. Say a few things about what you enjoy about work. And if you play it back and you don't believe yourself or your face is saying something different to what you're saying, like, I'm happy, but your voice and your face is not saying you're happy, that's when you need to check yourself and start working on it. Go therapy, go speak to someone who cares about you and then take the necessary steps to get yourself in a better way. And that might look about going to talk to Shoma or it might be talking about someone else, but try not to go it alone for too long because before long, if you do get angry, like Shoma said, and I've been angry in my job previously, you're, you're angry, you're frustrated, but because things have got on you as much as they have done, you're not in the right headspace to then be able to do anything productive or positive mm-hmm. to change the situation. And you can't wait a week or two weeks anymore because you want out yesterday. Yeah. So you get even more frustrated. So you kind of need to do the necessary steps now before you need to. The easy way to sum it up, the only preparation for tomorrow is the right use of today. <laughs> I'll let you marinate on that for a while. <laughs> 
Anyway, folks, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much again, Soma, for coming on and for sharing like you have done. Guys, girls, however you identify, I hope you've taken away something positive from this. Please, please, please remember your right now is not your forever. And there's nothing about a caterpillar that tell you it's going to be a butterfly. Find me on every old podcast, on Instagram, Twitter. I'm not really on Twitter much. I'm just there for the sake of it. I am on LinkedIn also. Um, I'm going to see if I can create a page, but for now, just to kind of Matt Brown. And I'm on Facebook as well, but really, am I on Facebook? I kind of am to try and get those other demographic of people, the older ones, to get involved and to hear some stories. By the way, a lot of you actually listen to this on Apple Podcasts. Do me a favor, drop me a review on this, please. That'll be fantastic. And if you're on Spotify, follow, rate it, because the more people that rate it and engage with it means other people listen to this conversation. The whole idea about this conversation is that I don't want you guys to feel alone. Look after yourself. Thanks again. And I'll speak to you in the next one. Take care. Every L podcast. Every L podcast.